Hello and welcome to the latest Royal Roundup from Talk TV. So pop the kettle on, this is the Royal Tea. I'm Sarah Hewson. Coming up today, we'll be discussing Princess Lilibet's christening, the latest royal mansion merry-go-round, and why Fergie is feeling liberated following the death of the Queen. Joining me, our royal commentator and Talk TV regular, Afia Hagen, co-host of Us Weekly's Royally Us, Christine Ross, and the Daily Mirror's royal editor, Russell Myers. Thank you all very much for being with us today. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex's daughter, Princess Lilibet Diana, has been christened in LA. Harry and Meghan held a small and intimate celebration for their 21-month-old daughter last Friday at their home in Montecito in California. According to a source, the King, the Queen Consort and the Prince and Princess of Wales were all invited but declined the invitation. It was, though, the first time we heard Lilibet titled as Princess. The Sussexes have since confirmed in a statement it is their children's birthright since their grandfather became monarch and it has been agreed for some time with Buckingham Palace. Uh, Russell, let's get your views on this. That statement came out about the christening and we saw the words Princess Lilibet there for the first time. How has this come about now? Well, uh, it's a conversation I've had with people at the palace. I mean, I think that uh, they're, they're keen to give a, 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 a sort of flavour that it was decided after the Queen's funeral that uh, Harry had had certain conversations with his father, uh, that he wanted them to be styled prince and princess. Um, and of course, this was before his memoir Spare came out. So whether the King would have had a very different opinion is, uh, is another thing entirely. But I think the, 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 the latest statement where they said, you know, it was, the, it was her birthright, their children's birthright, they spoke about Charles being grandfather rather than his majesty. I found that really pointed. I thought that um, that gave even a, a, a bigger association with, um, the t with the two camps that are so disjointed at the moment. And um, one may wonder why they've taken this. I mean, Harry and Meghan have spent the last couple of months bemoaning their treatment, uh, or a couple of years really, uh, at the hands of the royal family. And then we've had um, you know, Netflix series, Oprah Winfrey and, um, and Harry's book. It's, a, it's all a bit of a mess. So yeah, it is surprising. Christine, the, the US perspective on this, how powerful is it uh, for Lilibet and Archie to have the titles princess? I prince. think this is a really interesting step for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, who have spent so long distancing themselves from the royal family, trying to set up you know, and establish a presence in the US, to now sort of want to regain that Midas touch, you know, that, that royal sparkle by establishing them as Princess Lilibet and Prince Archie. Because in, you know, when Prince Archie was born, they said we, he'll just be Archie Mountbatten Windsor. You know, we want him to have a normal life as possible. And this we is thought a, they were modelling it on yes, the Zara and Peter Phillips. Absolutely, and this is a step version. very much in the next, in the other direction. So I think Americans are—they're always charmed by the royal family. The fairy tale is very, very attractive. Are we reading too much into this uh, affair that it it looks like a bit of branding potentially? Mm -hmm. If you're mm -hmm. being cynical about it, because. They describe it as a birthright, right? Mm -hmm. It was automatic that they became prince and princess once Charles became king, the yeah. grandchildren of the sovereign. Mm -hmm. I don't think actually we are reading too much into it. I think that there's perhaps some manoeuvring going on on their part. And remember when we were in the press run for Spare, we heard Harry say he wants his father back, he wants his brother back, uh, and he does want a reconciliation. And I truly believe that when he was saying that, 
he meant that. And I think these could be some of the steps on the way to a reconciliation now. I don't think we can expect to see, you know, pictures of them hugging and embracing on the covers of the papers in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, or even in a year or so. But I do believe that by them, you know, saying that this is the children's birthright, which it is, and by them maintaining that association with the royal family, that kind of is in keeping with the want for them, not necessarily to be back in the fold or back in the farm, but to pave the way for a reconciliation. I think that Harry, um, especially with the book, wanted to say everything that he wanted to say and perhaps thought that afterwards there would be accountability, apologies, and then they would make up. Obviously that hasn't happened yet, but it doesn't mean that it's completely off the cards. I mean, this issue of their titles has been a vexed one for a long mm. time, hasn't it, Russell? I mean, you look back to the Oprah interview where Meghan claimed that Archie wasn't given a title because of concerns about his skin colour, sure, sure. which wasn't the case, actually. It was all down to the letters patent. Yeah, I mean, it's another big U-turn, I think, but most people would think of it as that. I mean, they said uh, the, those comments about race, which they have now rode back on, which they could have set um, totally clear at any point in the, in the last year, and didn't do. And the, you know, the royal family were having to face serious questions of a racist within their midst. Of course, Prince William said it publicly, the royal family is not a racist family. And I think we, we got a, a flavor that they didn't want titles for their children. And yet here we are. I mean, I think it's, um, they're turning into a bit of a ludicrous pantomime, the two of them, by saying that we, we don't want this, we do want that. They're trying to cherry pick, which of course they were told you can't be in and out exactly how they wanted it to be. But uh, in by the some Queen ways, does herself. this say they, they are getting that? They are sort of, they got their lives in California, but they've still got the titles. Well, Christine. I think what they're finding now is that perhaps their plan to sort of separate themselves from the monarchy and build their own brand is not going very well. Um, you know, their approval ratings in the US where they're sort of trying to build this brand and establish this presence are consistently declining in the last couple of months. I think the South Park episode really gave us a pulse on what people who don't care about the monarchy think about Meghan and Harry. Chris Rock, the yes, latest example of that, someone example. who is not a fan of the monarchy but is right. now mocking Meghan. Exactly, and so I think they're maybe, again, trying to maneuver, trying to change track and say, wait, maybe that was more effective than we thought it was because ultimately I think they want to do philanthropic work. I think they want to do the good for the people and they have to find how they can do that and how they can build their own brand separate from the monarchy and I think to Russell's point they're sort of going in lots of different directions and not finding their footing very well. Well Harry's fireside chat with the controversial trauma expert Dr Gabor Mate aired online on Saturday evening and not without some controversy. There appeared to be a positive endorsement of psychedelic drug therapy which has caused some complaint. Harry also talked about coming from a broken home. Um, Afia, what, what did you make of this session that took place on Saturday evening? It was an online session that people yeah. could pay to listen into. Yeah, so I think there's a few points here. I mean, when you know someone writes a book, we do often see them do a sort of book tour and Q&As and fireside chats and things like that. And actually, Harry didn't do any of that. He did some interviews, but not necessarily Q&As about the book after the book's been out. So this was his opportunity to do that. Um, I think choosing Dr. Mate was perhaps unusual because he is this world-renowned, you know, psychologist and was going to go so in-depth. So it was 
much less, well, I suppose it was about Spear, but a lot about Harry and a lot about it. It did feel like a, a live therapy session. Mm. Um, it's clear that what Harry has discussed in Spear is still very close to the surface, right? Um, and there's still things that he needs to work through. And he was doing that live in front of our eyes. Um, and, you know, he talked quite movingly about how he always felt that he was different and his mum felt the same. You know, he talks about the drug use there as well and that was controversial in the book and that will continue to be controversial because people have different opinions on the use of marijuana and and other drugs which you know he has talked about using as well but I think for me personally it comes across that he is working hard to work through all those issues he talks about in spare that are still very very close to the surface and you know I think he should be he should continue doing that and being able to continue doing that but it doesn't always have to be in a fireside chat and monetized as well because he, he did talk yeah. about um wanting to break down the stigmas of therapy and mental health which by continuing to talk he is doing but this was 19 pounds <coughs> yeah i mean you got a free, free copy, copy of the book of but yes. uh, again i think that sticks in the core but we're sort of paying for his therapy sessions i mean he's had so many of them by his own admission um and uh, yes, he should be celebrated for speaking about mental health. Let's not forget the barriers that he has broken down along with the Prince and Princess of Wales, you know, 10 years or more ago. So, um, but again, I think that certainly the King will find it hugely hurtful being described of um, raising his son in a broken home. Um, a deprived you know, upbringing Of course, well. listen, I think that Harry needs to take a step back, as he always does, have a bit of introspection, that uh, he's from an incredibly privileged upbringing. He sits in a, you know, still in, incre in an incredibly privileged bubble. And, um, you know, when other people are struggling, I think that's, that's pretty hard to take. There was a little acknowledgement of that, though, wasn't it? He did talk about, on the one hand, having a fantastic childhood and having some wonderful memories. But on the other, he talked about the trauma that he had suffered following the death of his mother and, and the lack of affection that he felt had shaped who he is now. We get these sort of um, whiplash from he says he's had a wonderful, very privileged childhood, but he's a child of trauma and his children, his parents never hugged him. And it seems that Harry, now that he's no longer guided by the royal household, um, although those guidelines were very strict and really kept the narrative down a certain path, they were probably there for a reason, so that we got a consistent story that really led to the ultimate goal. Otherwise, if you do what Harry's doing, you don't take any guidance, people end up a bit confused, you're opening yourself up to a lot of criticism, and the, the key message, the core message that he's trying to share gets really muddled by him just saying whatever he wants to say. He, of course, argues that the ultimate goal wasn't about him, it was about making others look good. Yeah, and, I mean, just on that point of consistency, I think that when Harry talks about um, his, his upbringing within the royal family and the pressure that he felt being a spare, well, surely he's just done that to his own children, this prince and princess titles being such a big issue. Um, and, and on the flip side, talking about how he just wants to love and care for his children, that's hugely honourable. But then putting the pressure on them, I, ju I just think it, it just seemed very inconsistent. Now, as the coronation draws nearer, every week we will update you with all of the latest news and announcements coming from the palace. This is Coronation Check-In. It has emerged this week that the Sussexes have been invited to the coronation. A spokesperson for the couple confirmed there had been email correspondence with the palace, but they declined to say whether they'd be coming 
or not. I mean, it's something we've been discussing on the show a lot over the past uh, few weeks. Christine, what's the US perspective on this? Do, do people care whether they come or not? Do they want to see them at the coronation? I think they really only care if they come. Again, Americans love that royal fairy tale. Um, they would really like to see the Duke and Duchess of Sussex living their best royal-ish lives, if they will. I think a lot of Americans want to see them succeed, although there's a lot that you know feel differently. But Americans only care if they go and they have this grand, you know, very regal experience. I think it would be absolutely in their best interest as they do this maneuvering, as they try to improve their brand to attend in the best way possible. But uh, that's a lot of family drama to work past. Yeah, there, there is yeah. an awful lot to, to work yeah. through in, what, less than two months Yeah, now. and let's not kid ourselves. It'll be a huge distraction if they do come because you know, the, the, the global media will have all the attention on them. And I think that's a huge concern for the family and the courtiers because uh, there's a huge a lot of, a lot of planning. There's um, you know, kings and queens coming from foreign lands and yet we'll, we'll still be talking about the Sussexes. But um, we'll, we'll find out when we find out, I suppose, because uh, as I understand it, they still haven't made a decision. And whether there's some horse trading going on in the background, I think that's probably a fair bet. As well as the kind of family dynamics yeah. affair, there's a security issue yeah. at play, but also the kind of reaction that the couple might get mm. when they come to the United Kingdom, all of those part of that decision-making process. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something they will be concerned about. I mean, when they were here for the Platinum Jubilee, it was a mostly positive, but quite a mixed reception. I and mean, when we saw them at St. Paul's, there was cheers in the crowds, but there was um, booze as well. And I think they will be- I mean, that's something be... that most members of the Royal Family are getting used to now, yeah, actually. Yeah, well, exactly. to we had King Charles in Colchester earlier yeah. this week. And so I think they will be concerned about that and they will also be concerned about the front pages of the papers and like Russell so rightly said you know it turning into a bit of a circus which is not what anybody wants because it's supposed to be about King Charles III but I maintain and I've always said and I'll keep saying that I do think they will attend I think both of them yes but it is Archie's birthday on that Saturday and I know that that will be an issue that they think about as well. But I think this is my bingo card that all of them will attend with Doria as well and they'll have a little celebration for Archie. I could be very, very wrong, but that's I, they, on my bingo they card. They did that for Lilibet's first yes. birthday around yeah. the time the Platinum Jubilee, didn't they? <laughs> now, on to what they wear. Yes. <laughs> Prince Andrew. Yes, well, wants again, wants to wear the, the robes of the Order of the Garter. He does, and again, the, the, the entitlement uh, comes forth when Prince Andrew is mentioned. Now, no, not only is he not ref refusing to leave Royal Lodge in order for this merry-go-round to continue for the housing crisis that's existing in the royal family, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a very, very different one to normal people. I mean, it's quite yeah. a nice housing exactly. crisis yeah, to have, isn't it? Oh, which palace? Of course, and then we're talking, you know, an even more ludicrous uh, position that he's taken is that he wants to wear robes. Now, of course, he was made to step back from all his military um, associations, his patronages, uh, but he still kept two main roles, and that was a Knight of the Garter and, of course, the Councillor of State. Now, the Knight of the Garter um, involves wearing the robes that we see them in Windsor Castle, and last year uh, he was made to sort of step away from the public display. It was, it was deemed sort of um, beneath the royal family to, to get involved it's the in the conversation. the oldest and most senior order of chivalry, it is, isn't yeah. it? So, and, and whether he is an appropriate person to demonstrate that on such a big occasion. Now, the king is torn uh, as, as, as to whether to let him wear those robes. Now, of course, Andrew is furious, I'm told, that this is even a conversation. It is his right. We're talking about birthrights, rights. They're all a bit entitled, I think, uh, I mean, at the moment. 
Prince Andrew read the room. Mm. I mean, literally, yeah. someone needs to sit him down and just say, read the room. Yeah, I'm sure they have done. Read, but this, you know, hear, he's, hear, hear us when yeah. we're speaking, Andrew. Read the room. You know, King Charles has said he wants you to leave this palatial palace. He wants you to size down. Your allowance is being cut. When the, prince, when the king was being heckled, people were shouting, what about Prince Andrew? Read the room. Nobody wants to see you in your robes. No, n like no, nobody wants you to be front and centre of the coronation. Nobody wants to see you full stop. Just retire quietly. And I guess we're going to have a similar conversation about Harry and what he wears as well, mm. the military uniform. Similar conversations, I'm sh sure, to what had what happened. We have but for I, the I think, you know, what well, I really do think he'll be more sensible in the, in this occasion. They will try their best. One would assume, if they are to come, to not make it about them. Uh, they can't, you know, for foretell what the, uh, the global media are going to do, but th I think they will try their best. So, morning suits for Harry, I imagine. Um, can we talk also about the coronation concert? Mm. We've heard from <coughs> Kylie. Yeah. Yes. She's not going to be taking part. Yeah, I wondered whether that was sort of, um, you know, keeping with her kin, that there's a big Republican yeah. movement mm. in, the, in Australia at the moment. Of course, the Prime Minister is a big Republican. They've he'd employed a minister for the Republic. Um, so, and uh, they're, they're struggling to get the numbers, <laughs> Yeah. It would appear, but surely they'll have. I mean, take that are going to be take there. Take that. So, you know, well, that's, a, that's, I'll be happy. A slim down, take that. I mean, there's no Robbie. There's no Robbie. And yeah. there's no Howard. Robbie's, Robbie's performing at Sandringham well, later on in the summer, right, though. See? That's um, his royal connection. <laughs> the Spice Girls apparently have said no. Right. But it's all a could bit be reuniting for a world tour. So all is not lost. <laughs> um, and also, so Robbie Williams has said no. Ed Sheeran. Adele has said no Elton as John well. is on tour. Elton John's on tour. So they do have Lionel Richie, right? And they do have Slim Down Take That, so Diet Take That. So on my coronation bingo card, I've got lots of bingo cards on the go, I would like to see Celine Dion. Wouldn't Ooh. you? Well, I always. Thought about that. Why? <laughs> what makes what? you think? I mean, she's just in Canada. Yes. There is the Bring Commonwealth. The Commonwealth. Yep. She has an incredible voice. I know she hasn't been very well recently, no. though. But what I mean, I would give my left arm to see. Yeah, something. we need a, we need a blockbuster. We yeah. do. Sarah Ferguson has said she feels liberated to be herself now, following the death of the Queen. Uh, she's been giving recent interviews on Good Morning America. She said, "It's like I've taken the mental shackles out of my brain. I don't know whether it's the Queen passing on that I now think I can just sort of say openly what I want to say without worrying." I'm going to offend somebody. I'm really, truly authentic Sarah now. Uh, Christine, she's been doing the rounds in the United States as she yes. promotes her new book. We're seeing a lot more of her, having been in the kind of shadows for a while. We said that Harry didn't do any of these book signings or book talks, and Sarah's doing loads and loads of them, and people are being completely charmed by her. Again, even though at this point she's royal by such a distant association, the Americans absolutely love it. It's something very charming. And I think that people are really buying into this new brand that she's um, expanding now. You know, she says she can break out of these shackles. She wants to be in a Hallmark romance film. She's writing these historical romance novels. I honestly think a lot of people are really enjoying this new character that's burst on the scene in this sort of revived version of Sarah, the Duchess of York. And she's also talked about her relationship with the Queen, mm. that it became particularly close because of the scandal surrounding Prince Andrew. Yes, I mean, everybody loves Fergie. She's one of the great survivors. And I think that when you've, we've had the, the, lift, the lid lifted off the royal family, especially in the last couple of years, people are realising what a dysfunctional group they are. And for Fergie to still be, uh, be able to survive all of that, 
that. I think fair and play to her. And she's never ever spoken out. No, against I mean, them. I mean, she, has she, she talks about being her authentic self. She's done pretty well for the last twenty-five <laughs> years. Yeah. But I, I think that that association with the Queen. I mean. She's still very, very loyal to Prince mm. Andrew, um, and whether people find that a little bit unpalatable, but the association with the Queen does her fantastic, it puts her in good stead, doesn't it? Now, before we go, Ngozi Filani, the boss of the charity Sister Space, has again criticised Buckingham Palace. She says they failed to say sorry and to tackle the abuse she suffered following the royal race row involving Lady Susan Hussey. She has now stepped down as CEO of the charity. I fear what's going on. This is a story we talked about yeah, a, a lot yeah, at the have. time. But what is happening? Because we had this big meeting with them mm -hmm. late last year. Mm -hmm. There was a joint statement issued yep. and agreed mm -hmm. where Lady Susan Hussey had apologised. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought they had come to some kind of agreement. What's happening and, now? And I think we all thought they'd come to some sort of agreement, but Ngozi Filani um, has been speaking and said that actually she hasn't received a personal apology. She says, she know, you know, the palace know where I am, but they haven't apologised to me directly. And as a result of that, she's also had to step down as the CEO of Sister Space, like you said, in this amazing charity that does some really incredible and really important work for victims of domestic violence in East London, and particularly black female victims of domestic violence. And actually, I think that's the point that's more pertinent, that some really incredible, important work that she does, she now cannot do because of the level of vile racist abuse that she has faced over this whole issue that's continued on social media, you know, in person, you know, towards the charity. And I think she, what she also said was really important, that the, the palace and the royal family haven't done anything to stop it, haven't reached out, you know, or put out a statement to squash this. And I think actually that's really important, that there was an opportunity for the palace to step in and say, this issue is resolved. I know they did do that they, statement. I mean, yeah, Russell, yeah, what, what's I mean, the, the, the palace view but, but to say something say. about the abuse that has that she has yeah. suffered, I think maybe could have quelled I it. I think that you're right. I think that's a huge issue and lessons are not being learned within the palace. I mean, we talk about a centuries old institution and they're still not getting it right. And, uh, and I think that would have been easy for them to do. It was worth more than a statement and a, a rushed, uh, hurried photo with Lady Susan, uh, Lady Susan Hussey by just saying, you know, oh, they're patched and made up. So-and-so has given their apologies and it's all they forgotten. They did talk about learning lessons, didn't yeah. they? And I mean, putting into practice well, the, the palace they lessons. have put into practice this and, and it's all done and dusted. So essentially, what was the issue? Now, um, This know, needs to be an ongoing know, conversation, it does, doesn't certainly. it? And I think Ngozi Filani is right that perhaps the palace can't step in for you know, social media trolls, which is a huge issue. Yeah. But again, I think there are lessons to be learned and, uh, and they haven't been on this occasion, it seems. Well, that is all we've got time for this week. My thanks to Afia, Russell and Christine. We will be back next week with all of the latest on the Royal Family. We hope you can join us. We'll see you then.